Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to the first episode of this new year, which is actually episode 49 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and I want to talk about five ways that you can read the Bible this year that'll keep the excitement and the passion for God's Word alive all throughout the year. Let's dive in. Recently, I've been rereading the autobiography of George Mueller. Oh, I love the life of George Mueller, and it really has been such an enrichment to my soul. Mueller obviously is well known for his overwhelming trust and faith in God's provision for his life. Soon after he was converted and he started the pastorate, he declared that he wasn't going to take a salary and he wasn't going to mention finances at all. He was just going to pray and trust and ask God to supply every need that he had, whether it be his personal need or whether it be a ministry need. And it's so amazing as you listen or as you read through his autobiography that you, you just hear of his utter destitution. He's just at the very end. He has no finances. And, and how is he going to make it through this next, you know, next day or the next week? And amazingly, God would stir the hearts of the people around him and really impress upon them that they should give to either George Mueller or the ministry that he had. And thousands upon thousands of dollars came in to, to help with the orphanages that he started and the countless thousands of orphans that he helped in Bristol, England, or the, the scripture mission that he had where he was really giving out the word of God and teaching people what the word of God, what the word of God is and what it says. And just on a fun side note, if you've never read or listened to the audio version of his autobiography, I would encourage you at some point in the near future to do that. It is such a enrichment to your soul as you listen to his accounts of how God was continuously proving faithful in his life. Because the same God that literally worked and moved in the life of Mueller is the same God who is working and moving in our lives today. Well, as I was listening, I've been listening to the audiobook version of it, and as I was listening through his autobiography afresh, it, it was just, I was so impressed by the fact that by the end of his life, Mueller had recorded that he had read the Bible almost 200 times, and he said about 100 of those was upon his knees, which is probably a great way to read the word. And I began to ponder, could you imagine reading the Bible all the way through 200 times in your lifetime? which means you're probably reading it several times a year. 
Well, what an enrichment that would be in your life and what profit that would be in just the enrichment to your soul and the, the understanding of God's word and his purpose and his plan. Now, obviously, Mueller had his private study time as well, but he was constantly, continuously reading the word. Well, I don't know about you, but <laughs> so many times around January, I get really excited and, all right, this is going to be the year and, and I, I'm going to plow forward and I am going to read the entire Bible through. And of course, you get excited and January 1st comes and you open up Genesis and, you know, you make your way through and it gets exciting and, you know, you're doing well for a couple of weeks and suddenly by about February, you're into the book of Leviticus and, oh no, you just can't seem to get out of the book of Leviticus. And and then you just, you struggle and, and eventually just, well, I'll start next year. Have you ever had that kind of experience where you've desired to read the word, you've desired to really get into the pages of scripture and yet it just feels dry or it feels boring or it feels like it's lacking or it just has become a duty or an obligation. Well, I want to talk about five ways that you can read scripture that will really bring a freshness to how you read it. It'll bring a creativity, if you will, and a passion for the word of God. Now, I've read the word of God dozens of times over the course of my life, and I, I'm finding that the more that I read it, the more I delight in it because it is a revelation of God himself. Now, before I give you the five ways to read the word, I just want to remind you that, again, the purpose of Bible study is not just, you know, to, to smile and say you did it. It's the purpose of Bible study or Bible reading isn't just so you can, you know, check it off your list for the day. See, see, God's not going to give you a better day if you read the Bible and he's not going to stomp on your head if you don't. That That's not his nature. But you realize the reason we get into the word, the reason we read it and the reason we study it is to get to know the person. See, I want to know Jesus Christ. He is the author of the word itself. It's been God breathed, the, the Bible says. And I want to read his words. And in so doing, I want to grow in my intimacy with him. And not only do I want to know him greater, not only do I want to know him in a more rich and sweet way, I also want to be changed by the word. See, I am not interested in being the same person that I was last year. I'm not interested in being the same person I was 10 years ago. Mercy. See, I don't even want to be next year where I am right now. I want to progress and grow and be transformed by truth. And so my desire when I come to the word, whether it be for reading or for study, is to know the author, to be wrapped up in intimacy and oneness with the author himself. And in so doing, I want to be transformed by truth. Yes, I'm going to gain information, but information is not as important to me as transformation. Yes, information is still really important. Yes, you need to know the word and, and yes, you should know the stories and, and yes, you should study it out. But if all it is is head knowledge, what good is that in your life? So I want to be transformed by truth itself. Now, back in episode number 14, I gave seven Bible reading plans that you may want to consider for how you can actually read the word. So I want to give five concepts to you of how to read the word. But if you're looking for practical or tangible reading plans of how you can implement the word, back in episode number 14, I had seven Bible reading plans. Actually, I gave a bonus one, so there's eight. But if you want to check those out, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 14 for episode number 14, and you can see the list there. But as a bonus for this episode, I have all of those listed out on a neat downloadable handout, as well as an overview of these five things I'm going to walk through. So if you just kind of want the whole kit and caboodle, feel free to visit deeperchristian.com 
forward slash 49 for episode 49, this episode, and you can download an entire document that has the five concepts I'm going to give you, as well as the seven practical Bible reading plans. Well, let's actually dive in. So here are five ways that you can read the word this year that'll keep it fresh and exciting. So number one, ponder selecting a new translation. Now, I'm a big proponent of having one key translation to study and to teach from, but I've also found that it's really important at times that if you're reading the Bible over and over and over again, sometimes it just becomes, well, yeah, I've heard that before, and you just kind of begin to skip things. Well, if you would switch a translation or, or, or change to another you know, good translation, a lot of times because you're hearing it in a slightly different way, things just become fresh and they jump off the page. I love every couple of years switching up my translation from which I read from. It just brings an excitement and a freshness and, whoa, I, I, I missed that before. And, wow, I probably should study that out because I don't remember that language being that way. So let me give you three quick benefits of changing a translation for your reading once in a while. See, a new translation, number one, can give a freshness to how you read. Number two, it allows you to see and discover things that you might ordinarily just gloss over. And in three, it changes the style and the emphasis of your reading. It can make it, and it can make it exciting to continue reading the word. So let me give you a quick example. If your normal Bible study translation, say, is the King James or New King James, well, why don't you take a year and read the Bible through in the ESV? It's still a great word-for-word -word translation, but it just has a freshness and a different lyrical prose to it that it's just, just, it's just enchanting or just, it's, just, it's elegant to, to listen or read. Or ponder reading the New American Standard, which is far more word-for-word, -word, and sometimes it doesn't sound really great in English, but because they've done such a diligent job in the translation of it, and it's, yes, it's a little clunky in English, but sometimes even just reading it that way, it's like, whoa, I, I, I see a greater emphasis. And perhaps you even may want to consider moving out of the word for word and doing more of a paraphrase. Now, I, I would caution you in doing the paraphrase things. I definitely do not think that a paraphrase is good for study or for teaching. I, I really strongly believe that a good word for word translation is necessary for the study and for teaching. But for reading once in a while, it it's helpful to just kind of, to say, okay, uh, what is the, for example, the, the new living, how, how do they phrase it? Or why don't you pick up a, like the Phillips translation of the new Testament and, and read through that. He just has an elegant way of, of saying certain things that make the word come alive. So again, number one, ponder selecting a new translation to read from this upcoming year. Number two, consider the idea of start listening to scripture. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of time in throughout my day where I'm doing something like driving or I'm exercising or cooking where, where I have the opportunity to listen to something at the same time. And yes, I could just turn on, you know, the, the news or the radio or some song, but what if I would be purposeful in listening to God's word? In fact, in the mornings recently over these last couple of months, typically as I'm getting ready in the morning, I turn on an audio Bible and it's just neat to to hear the freshness of, of God's word coming in my ears. Now, you recognize that listening to scripture is very different than reading scripture. When we read scripture, we tend to analyze it and we tend to ponder it differently. It's like, it's like we're doing a, a mix between reading and studying when we actually read it on a page. But when you listen to it, 
it's it's like all you can do is just ponder it and just think about it. You're not so much concerned about you know how it's written down. You're listening. You're engrossed in the story, and and in fact, that's actually how it was written. The word was not written to a bunch of you know literate people. The word was written in such a way where it was easy to listen to and memorize, because it was a very oral culture. So consider the idea of getting an audio Bible. And let me just give you a couple considerations if you're going to do this. Number one, ponder what translation you want to listen to. Anymore, you can get a translation of, the, of an audio Bible and just about any translation you, you want to listen to. So what translation do you want to listen to? And secondly, do you want one person reading the entire Bible or do you prefer multiple voices? Third, do you want an audio Bible that's dramatized? In other words, it not only has multiple voices, but it has music soundtracks and, or has the music score behind it and the, it has the uh, sound effects and all that stuff happening at the same time. It's almost like you're, you're listening to a movie. Uh, it's like the Adventures in Odyssey, if, if, if you like the Adventures in Odyssey. And then lastly, how much do you want to spend? Because audio Bibles, they can range anywhere from a couple of dollars all the way up into, you know, probably 50, 60, 70 dollars. So those are just some considerations if you're going to do an audio Bible. And if you want a great place to start, Christianaudio.com or audible.com are great places where you can download an audio Bible. Personally, I think I have about six or seven of them now at this point, and I just kind of bounce between them depending on the year. I really enjoy listening to God's word in a variety of ways and a variety of translations. Number three, the, the third thing you can consider doing this year to really bring a freshness into your Bible reading is to speed up. See, sometimes the reason we get bogged down in a book like Leviticus is, is because we're spending so much time there. See, if I take a normal Bible reading plan, typically I'm only reading a chapter or two from, a, from any particular book. And so therefore it takes weeks to get through a book like Leviticus or Jeremiah. So what if you would consider speeding up your reading? See, what would happen if you decided to read the entire Bible in three months or, or even six months? I had a really good friend of mine who decided that she was going to read the entire Bible through 12 times one year. In other words, she was going to read it once every single month. And she didn't quite make it. She only made it through 10 times that year. But one of the things she said was how rich the word of God became because all of her spare time was spent reading the Bible. And in so doing, she just began to see the connections and the richness of how the whole thing is put together. See, there's something interesting when you read the Bible quickly. Now, granted, you don't have a lot of time to really ponder it and think through it. But what begins to happen when you're reading in a, in a setting like for three or for six months is that because you're flying through Scripture and you're just really engrossed in the Word itself, you begin to start seeing connections and parallels that you would often miss when it's spread over the course of, say, an entire year. So here are two different ideas of how you could do this. Number one... Take your Bible and take however many pages it has and divide it by however many days you want to read. So let's say you want to read the Bible in three months. That's 90 days. So if your Bible had a you know a thousand pages, take the thousand pages, divide it by 90, and that would tell you how many pages of scripture you need to read every single day. So that'd be one idea is to do it by how many pages you need to read each day to fulfill whatever that time frame is. And the second is, well, just determine a set amount of time you want to read each day and then hold yourself accountable to it no matter how many times of how many times you get through reading the Bible. So let's say you said, all right, I'm, I'm going to read for 45 minutes a day. So you're really going to carve and you're going to protect 45 minutes a day for reading. Well, you realize that you could probably read the Bible through probably four times, almost maybe even five times through the year if you were spending about 45 minutes a day. 
So those would be two ideas of how you can speed up your reading, which doesn't get you bogged down in any one place. Idea number four for how you can read the word this year is the opposite. You could slow down. So rather than reading the word through really quickly, what would happen if you began to slow down very purposefully? Another good friend of mine, typically every year, he'll, he'll read the entire Bible through in the first three months. So he goes, he does the fast version the first three months of the year. And then for the rest of the year, for those other nine months, he chooses one book of the Bible and he just slowly reads and, and chews upon the word of God. He just reads it over and over and over again. And he's not in a rush. He's just slowly just soaking and chewing and meditating upon God's word. What would happen if you slowed down very purposely to really spend adequate time pondering and meditating and, and just delighting in the word of God itself? So number four, slow down. And lastly, number five is to stay focused. Recognize that when you're reading the word, sometimes you just got to buckle down and do it. See, there is no substitute for discipline and diligence. See, if, if I'm going to commit myself to reading the word of God, there's probably going to be days where I wake up and I don't want to read the word. But out of the diligence and out of the discipline and the delight that I really want to have in God, would I be willing to do it anyway? Here's what I found. If I would do it, even when I don't feel like it, by the end, I'm always delighting in Jesus. It's, it's like exercise for me. I don't know about you, but most days I don't wake up saying, "Woo! I get exercise today. It's usually, oh no, here we go again. But what I found is that if I would actually go to the gym where I'd go do the workout, by the end, it's like, wow, that's awesome. I love the workout. And I actually delight in the exercise. The same thing is true about the word, just a lot better. See, the days you just don't feel like it, well, I would encourage you just to stay focused, stay the path, and keep pressing in. Even if you have a week of dryness where you don't feel like you're getting much out of it, be diligent, be disciplined, and continue it anyway. And remember that your whole desire of reading the word is to really press in to Jesus Christ, that you want to see God clearly. You want him to change your life. And just as a fun bonus side thought, can I just remind you that as you're reading the Old Testament, remember that everything in the Old Testament is leading you to Jesus Christ. That everything, as Hebrews would say, is, is a foreshadow. It's a, it's a literally, it's a laying the groundwork for Jesus Christ. And when you begin to read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, it just comes alive. One of the most exciting things I ever did is when I began to realize that all scripture points to Christ, and I went back and began to read the Old Testament afresh. It's like everything started to make far more sense. In Corinthians, Paul says that the Jews, they, when they read the Old Testament, they have a veil hanging over their eyes. They don't see it properly. And the veil is taken away in Christ. And that is so true even for us as believers that if we just read the Old Testament like it's a good story or, you know, it's great morals, then we're going to miss the, the emphasis. We must remember that these events actually took place. This is history itself. But far more than even that, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. All of scripture is a declaration of who he is and what his purpose was upon that cross. So could I encourage you this year to, to take these five ideas of perhaps selecting a tra new translation or listen to an audio Bible to speed up your reading or perhaps even slow down, but regardless, to stay focused and disciplined in it. 
what you will find is that if you would do these, you know, a mixture of these five things, that the word will not be boring. In fact, the word will come alive afresh, especially if your desire is the author. See, you're not reading some dull, dusty, dry book. This book is living and active, and it is a double-edged sword that is willing to pierce your life and transform who you are. So do not grow weary in doing good. And here we are a couple weeks into January or whenever you, you happen to be listening to this podcast, even if it's the middle of the year, do you realize that now is the best time to start reading scripture? You know, the old adage is, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, 30 years ago. But when's the next best time to plant a tree? Well, right now. Can I encourage you with reading God's word, no matter what time of the year it is, if you haven't been diligent in reading God's word, if it's just kind of grown stale for you, if it's been boring and you just kind of set it aside, would you pick up the word of God and, and literally come humbly before your God and say, God, would you just, would you give me an excitement and a passion for your truth? Would you literally ignite my heart with a burning ember of just delighting in you? See, when I come to God's word, I want to be like the two guys on the road to Emmaus, that when Jesus expounded all the scriptures to them, they looked at one another and they said, wow, did our hearts not burn? I, I, I want every time I come to his word for my heart to burn because I saw Jesus, that there's a greater passion and a burn for who he is. And there's a greater love and desire for, for God himself. Oh, that's my desire for you. So again, no matter what time of year it is, would you press in and read God's word? It is the most rich thing that you can do with your time. Truly, time in the word through reading and through study, as well as time in prayer, is an absolute necessity for your spiritual life. And I deeply encourage you, just strongly encourage you to press in this year and keep going. Now, again, if you want to download kind of a quick summary of everything I just went through, as well as seven great examples of Bible reading plans that you can do, whether you have a lot of time or even just a little bit of time, then please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 49 for episode 49. And you can see all that information on that page, as well as uh, several links to other resources and articles that I've written on Bible reading plans. I would encourage you to let this year be the year where you just are overwhelmingly turned upside down in your spiritual life because of your hunger and passion and pressing in to know him more through his word. Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.